Welcome to the Tamarin Learning Podcast, where host Dr. Kirby Ross-Plock speaks with experts on many topics relevant in the ultra-high net worth family wealth management space. Kirby is author of several books, including The Complete Family Office Handbook, and shares her expertise consulting with families and family offices. Kirby is also the founder of Tamarind Learning, an online wealth education platform that develops practical, foundational learning programs for beneficiaries to help them prepare for responsible stewardship of wealth. Welcome to the Tamarind Learning Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirby Rossblock, and today we're talking about meaning and wealth and its connection to the beneficiary. I'm thrilled to have Dr. Jim Grubman with us today. He is a senior consultant to multi-generational families and a, to their advisors as well. He's written several books. He's a trained clinical psychologist and neuropsychologist, and he's transitioned from that realm into the, the wealth management space, helping individuals, couples, and families, as well as the professionals who work with them. So. We are so happy to have you here, Jim. Thank you so much for being on the Tamra Learning Podcast today. Thank you so much for having me, Kirby. Uh, it's great to talk with you. We go way back, and so I look forward to having this conversation. Well, can you tell us more, Jim? I mean, I think one of the greatest challenges that many individuals struggle with who might be a beneficiary of a trust is just trying to figure out what does that trust mean to them? And how do they sort of establish a purposefulness around the trust and relationship to it? Well, I think that is a good point. And for some beneficiaries, uh, they do quite well with it. And we can talk about what families do that tend to foster those strengths and that adjustment. Uh, and many beneficiaries do struggle with it uh, because they are either unprepared or there's a big overhang of some emotions. Um, so I think to find meaning as a beneficiary really relates to how has the family in general dealt with the adjustment to becoming wealthy and being wealthy. And that goes to some of the things that you know and, and that we've talked about around the different generations. Well, let's dig more into that because I know you've written a really excellent resource. I find it excellent to use with my clients, Strangers in Paradise. It's just a powerful book that kind of teases out maybe some of the different lenses. Can you share more maybe about that book and the perspectives it shares? Absolutely. The basic premise of Strangers in Paradise came from um, some work that a colleague who you know quite well, Dennis Jaffe, and I did, oh, 15 years ago or more in understanding the demographics of wealth and that it's not what people think, that actually 80%, plus or minus 5% or more, uh, of those who have wealth have come to that wealth in their lifetime. They're new to wealth as first generation or maybe a little bit into G2 where uh, they grew up middle class, but their parents became wealthy. And we realized that there was a metaphor that could describe the whole process quite well, that if you are born and raised in one socioeconomic culture, not just class, but culture, and over the course of your lifetime, you migrate to a very different uh, socioeconomic culture, the what we call the sort of proverbial the, to the land of wealth, you have many characteristics of an immigrant. On the other hand, uh, compared to those who come to wealth, 
if you are born and raised in an affluent environment, in G2, G3, you're not an immigrant to wealth. You're native to the land of wealth. This is your land. And so uh, the whole metaphor, this cultural model of wealth has really done well and taken off. The relevance to trusts is that grantors, very often the ones who create the trust, are immigrants. The ones who are going to be beneficiaries, they're natives. And to find meaning and to have a perspective on being a beneficiary is something that the grantors really need to understand because it's a little different than their own upbringing. And so I work with families around how grantors can uh, prepare, uh, teach, and understand for those who are going to be beneficiaries what a trust is really about and how to foster that uh, with the beneficiaries. Such a powerful metaphor and one that makes me sort of think about how if you didn't have it growing up, you amass it, the meaning of that trust and being able to give it, right, perpetuate it to your heirs um, might have a lot of different uh, strings and, and feelings and emotions attached to it. Um, and then if you're on the other side, the beneficiary, depending on how much education, how much guidance, um, you might be interpreting what you think you know or what you know. And so the meeting could be really different then between that grantor and that beneficiary. Your thoughts? Exactly. And interestingly, although many grantors and often their trust and estates attorneys don't realize it, uh, when you talk about trusts to grantors and to G1 immigrants to wealth, it is, uh, they're afraid of it. It is a fearful process. They are terrified. Oh my God, this money's going, I don't want the money to ruin my kids. How often do we hear that? And because it's an anxiety driven and fear driven process where they're afraid the money is going to harm, they don't have experience with money actually fostering independence, meaning, and uh, a good life. And so all these things get built into trusts that are protective and fear-driven. For a beneficiary, sometimes that gets communicated. Mm. Um, ironically, for many beneficiaries, um, there is fear because of what they've heard themselves. And I can tell you a story about that if you want to hear this. Yeah, please do. Uh, I approached the first family meeting uh, with a family that I was starting to work with, and the parents were talking about, you know, how to work with their young 20-year-old uh, uh, couple of children. And uh, they were so afraid, you know, if we tell them about the trust, it's going to demotivate them. We want them to have purpose. We, you know, maybe we don't, shouldn't tell them all the usual things that come up. And ironically, in the first meeting, when this got broached and I facilitated the conversation, the uh, son, who was about 23, said he was he was kind of looking scared and upset. And he said, well, I have something I have to say. I don't want to be a trust fund baby. I'm so scared that if I have a trust, that it'll destroy me. And can you help me not be a trust fund baby? Mm -hmm. And it was stunning to the parents because they had heard all these things about 
you know, kids are going to be greedy. Can I have a Porsche? You know, the minute they hear about it, the idea that it's very different for the next generation and they don't want it to destroy their lives either. So it really brought the family together and it generated a wonderful conversation because essentially the parents responded by saying, absolutely, we don't want that either. Let's work together so that this helps your life and doesn't damage it. And they came together around that and their fears. That's a great example. I had a similar uh, experience with a family some years back. Um, same sort of situation, except it was a little bit um, later in transition. It was wealth from sort of G5 to G6. So it was an older family. And the family member, they were worried about um, coming into significant portion of their trust had largely been sort of off off doing his own thing, literally living in a commune, studying philosophy, really bright and intelligent. Um, and when I had a chance to talk to him sort of about what was coming down the pike, he said to me, you know, I feel like everyone is having these conversations about me and about this money, but I'm the one who's expected to know everything and I know yes. nothing. And, and I'm trying to figure out how to show people that I care, that I'm interested and I wanna be responsible but I just haven't had an on-ramp. And so I think maybe sort of segueing to meaning, maybe you can leave us with some ideas about what are some of the best practices that you see families doing to successfully engender purposefulness, right? Around their trust, around what they're creating and inspire their beneficiaries to be all they can be. Well, things that can be done uh, are, pretty well known and pretty straightforward, although in execution, it does take some work, particularly by the parents. Number one, ironically, those families that start talking about trusts early and often do better than the standard advice, which again, if you come from middle-class life, it's like, don't tell them until they get to it because otherwise they will be demotivated. It'll destroy their lives. It's a focus on money as is so damaging. But families that actually begin to talk about it, but emphasize values as part of it. Yes, you will have support in adult life for things, but you know, we all have purpose and we all are expected to have purpose. Let's talk about how you can do that. Number two, when you talk about uh, trusts in advance, it's educational. And the irony is if you don't discuss trusts, you somehow expect that when it comes around, people are gonna know how to be a beneficiary. And as you just said in your story, for a lot of people, they literally don't understand how a trust works or what it means in roles and responsibilities as beneficiary. So spend time with education. You know, how does trustee discretion work? What is it based on? How can we support you? in finding meaning in your life as opposed to controlling you of what meaning you're supposed to have in life. So working together and collaborating so that by the time a trust arrives, somebody knows what it's about, they are prepared for it, they've already been focused on values that meaning and purpose are a part of life, they're gonna do quite well. Jim, these are all super great takeaways. I just want to reiterate some of the ones that you just surfaced again, the importance of pre preparation and 
early and often and have a communication that's age appropriate, but also sensitizes so that it's not dropping the bomb um, down the road when all of a sudden they have access maybe to trust dollars. And then also really financially empowering and educating about what it is, what it isn't, and the values um, that the family connects to it, but also maybe the values that the beneficiary connects to it so that you can align and right size right, some of those expectations. I think your book, Strangers in Paradise, also your other works, Cross-Cultural Generations, I mean, you have so many so many great ideas and, and wisdom that you share. So I'm so thankful for you to be here today on the Tamara Learning Podcast. And I hope everyone will check out Jim's website and learn more about his books and his writings. And I really appreciate you sharing insights about beneficiaries and finding meaning with their wealth. Well, thank you for having me, Kirby. It's been a great conversation.